So we are here with another episode of Coal Region Campfire. We are doing the Mount Rushmore of uh, Schuylkill County athletes and coaches. Uh, we'll call it the Gordon Mountain or Sharp Mountain. Um, we got Leroy Boyer from the Potts Republican, Jason Genovese. Um, this idea, I'm actually going to give a shout out to uh, Adam Kurtek. Gave me this idea a couple weeks ago. And that was a great idea. So I, I recruited um, Leroy and Jason. So who wants to, uh, Leroy, you want to start off with your first uh, nominee? Yeah, so when you uh, approached me about being on this, uh, this is difficult. Uh, I would say that uh, going through the history of sports in Schuylkill County, uh, and we've extended this to include Mount Carmel and Shimokin, I think, right? Um, since they were in the Schuylkill League in Schuylkill County sports for so long. Uh, this is very difficult, and I tried to break this down uh, into several different categories and several different things that uh, to kind of look at. So the first person I'm throwing out there is the person I think by far is the most accomplished and probably the best athlete to ever come out of Schuylkill County, and that's Ed Sherrockman from St. Clair. Mm, okay. uh, Ed Sherrockman was a 1957 grad of St. Clair. As a senior in football, he led St. Clair to an undefeated season in what was then the Southern Division of the Eastern Conference. They lost to Swoyersville in the uh, Eastern Conference title game. Remember, two divisions, North and South, they played for the title back then. No divisions, no semifinals, no nothing. You either got there or you didn't. Uh, the following year would have been that Cass Township team. So this was before then. He led the league in scoring in basketball as a senior, and then he scored the only run in the 1957 District 11 baseball championship game. One class, St. Clair beats Allentown 1-0 for the District 11 baseball title as a senior. There was no state playoffs. That was it. Uh, he goes to Pittsburgh, plays with Mike Dicka, a Hall of Famer there. And uh, he has a good career as a quarterback as a defensive back. Back then, it was the AFL and the NFL. So there were two drafts. He was drafted twice out of Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. uh, he was selected in the fifth round by the Minnesota Vikings, picked number 57 overall. And he was also – that was the NFL draft. In the AFL draft, he was taken in the 22nd round by the Dallas Texans, which are now the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he chose the NFL. He was an original. That was the Vikings' first year. So he was an original Viking. Uh, he played with them from 1961 to 1972, 142 games, 40 career interceptions, three touchdown returns, started in Super Bowl IV uh, when the Vikings lost to the Chiefs. Um, the Vikings made the uh, playoffs those first four years, 68, 69, 70, 71. You know, if he was a prospect now with all the TV drafts and stuff, Kuyper and McShay and all those guys would be going nuts over him. Six foot, 200 pounds, hits like a freight train. He would be all over everybody's draft boards uh, coming out of Pittsburgh. Uh, great career, Fred Sherrockman. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away in 2017, number 45 uh, from the Vikings. Created a lot of Minnesota Viking fans in Schuylkill County back in the day. Yeah, I asked um, Dave Plachko. I said to him, you know, who's the best athlete out of coming out of St. Clair? And, and without hesitation, he said Ed Trockman. So, because I was thinking about putting him on my list. Uh, all right, so Ed Trockman from St. Clair. Uh, Jason, you're next. Yeah, um, he was definitely in the running. Uh, you know, I did consult my, uh, my old man uh, on some of the uh, – you know, the people that were before my time, and he was definitely one of the names that came up. Another one that uh, who I then kind of looked into uh, deeply, and uh, I got kind of special dispensation 
from uh, you, Alfredo, to include because he would have been in what is now Williams Valley. Is uh, I'll kind of I'll start with an older older generation player, Gary Collins from Williamstown High School. Uh, he was a, a pretty darn good football player. Uh, he played other sports, but that was his sport. He ended up going to Maryland. Uh, he was there from the years, you know, 59 to 61, set a number of school and ACC records, and he actually finished eighth in the Heisman voting in 1961 as a wow. tight end. You know, that was kind of before the days of, you know, the tight end being such a, a used weapon offensively. He was actually the a, a first-round pick in the 1962 uh, draft. He went number four overall, uh, played for the Browns uh, for, for nine seasons, the Cleveland Browns. Um, and, and he caught three, deep, three TD passes um, versus the, the vaunted Baltimore Colts in the 1964 title game, which was then an NFL title game record. And he was named MVP. The, uh, the Colts were, um, you know, kind of very much um, concerned with Paul Warfield. And so the, the Browns went to their uh, big tight end. Uh, he stood about six foot four, a really great athlete, uh, kind of for his size. He was definitely kind of ahead of his time as far as that goes. He was also known for being a fearless receiver, went across the middle um, willingly, and he never fumbled his entire career. So that was another thing that he was always credited for was his toughness and his sure-handedness and his ball security. He ended up with 70 career TD catches in 10 seasons, led the NFL in 1963 with 13 of them. So again, a tight end leading the NFL in TD catches in the 60s. Kind of a pretty big deal. How long does that record for? last for? He, uh, that's a great question. I, I don't know the answer to that one. But he, Gronk he had what, like 15 or 16 that one year, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, Moss has it with 21. Uh, but he has a tight end. Yeah, tight end. Uh, that's a great question. I, we could easily look that one up, but, but uh, yeah, I wonder how long that lasted for. He was uh, also a punter, and he averaged forty-one yards a punt. Um, so he he punted professionally as well. He did it in college, and he was named to the nineteen uh, sixties All Decade Team. You know, they do one of those yeah, every yeah. decade. He was named to that team, and he was also named the 15th greatest Cleveland Brown of all time, a franchise that's got quite a few big names there. He kind of rank, ranks in the top 15. He uh, ended up living out his days in Pennsylvania, too. I, I actually think he's still alive, but he, he moved to uh, – he kind of like settled down in the Hershey area, and so he's somebody who kind of still calls Pennsylvania home and, and is not really too far flung from the area that he uh, he kind of – you know, made his name for himself in, in high school. So Gary Collins was uh, one of the people, when I looked into him, I was just, you know, really impressed with, uh, uh, obviously I didn't see him play, but impressed with just uh, how ahead of his time he was kind of like athletically and, and uh, what he did both collegiately and professionally is pretty impressive. So um, my first one, uh, I'm going Mount Carmel. Uh, hails from Coltmont, which you're going to see a common theme in mine uh, is Coltmont. Maria Fantanarosa, I think I'm saying that right. 38-23 uh, career uh, points. Uh, she was the all-time leading scorer in PA history for 34 years. I'm not sure who broke it. Um, at one point, too, she was like uh, 14th nationally. She's now 47th nationally all-time. Um, 
which, you know, the way the game has uh, progressed. Uh, she actually has more than Cheryl Miller, though. Uh, and if people know, it's Reggie Miller's sister, who's arguably one of the greatest uh, basketball, women's basketball players of all time. Um, she's now assistant coach at Michigan State. Um, as a freshman, I believe her first game against Tamaqua, uh, they won 68-57. She had 54 of the points. Um, one thing I liked about her, I remember when we, you know, as a Schuylkill League uh, player, you could go up to Mount Carmel as a freshman or, or, or JV or whatever, playing basketball, and you would just, in the, in the Mount Carmel, you know, trophy area, you just see Maria Fantan, and it was almost like you didn't believe it because it was like, how could, she didn't have 38, 23 points. You know, she had like a 1,000 points, I think, after her freshman year. She was like 28 points a game. Um, but she was only 5'5", five, five, which is even more impressive. Uh, softball and cross country. Um, one little thing here I saw. So the one year she, w- she had 174 uh, free throws through 18 games, which was like, I think, 70 more than the next closest person. She actually wasn't that great of a free throw shooter. She only had 74%. I, that number could probably have been 4,000, I bet, if, uh, if she was like in the 80 or 90% range. Uh, not knocking Maria Fantanarosa, but she is my number one uh, on the uh, Mount Rushmore. From Coltmont, Mount Carmel, Maria Fantanarosa. So I'll chime in on your Fantanarosa pick because she was my next one as well. Oh, okay. All right. Um, but I'll, I'll give you another one. But more on Fantanarosa. She averaged 31.3 points per game over 122 games from 81 to 85. Her last career game in high school, she scored 49 points <laughs> in a uh, state second round loss to Kutztown. As a junior, she scored 1,318 points as a junior. That's insane. I mean, she scored 886 as a freshman, 856 as a sophomore, 1318. Now, now granted, you think about 1985, okay, 1981 to 1985. You have the Pine Grove powerhouses. You have Swantner from St. Clair. Mm-hmm. You have Haven winning the 85 state title. You have Pine Grove making it to the 85 title game. Uh, in double A that year, I think Marion was the East runner-up. Okay, so you have all those great Schuylkill League teams. I mean, they didn't even come close to making the Schuylkill League playoffs back then. And West Hazleton was also awesome in 1985. So you have all those talented teams, 82, 83, 84, 85. She still scored 3,800 points. And you know, you know, people are going to try to stop her. So, I mean. Yeah, because I was reading an article where they were like, I mean, they, she got double teamed every game, and she still ended up with that many points. Like, I mean, after the freshman season, there was no secret about her, and they just, they just couldn't stop her. No. Yeah, I think the points per game average is the most impressive thing because I used to hear people say, well, she played in a ton of games. That's how she ended up. You know, she played more games than everybody else, but that doesn't really hold up if you're averaging that many points per game. You know what I mean? If you played, Mm -hmm. you know, 100 extra games than somebody, that's one thing. But to have that average over that many games, there's no knocking it. There's just not. No, absolutely. So – Sticking on the girls' basketball theme, uh, when I was looking through to pick my four, uh, I thought, you know, what is Schuylkill County known for? If we're making a Mount Rushmore, it's got to be pillars of the community, uh, people who, you know, were legends and pioneers. So my second guy is Ron Wren, Pine Grove girls' basketball coach. Hmm. Okay. Um, Wren was the coach at Pine Grove from 1967 through 1998. Now think about that. Think about how girls' basketball – 
transformed from 67 to 98. You had, you know, Schuylkill League domination of the 80s and into the 90s. You had the institution of three-point shot. And he not only won state titles, he won one in 82 and in 96. The game totally changed in those 14 years with, you know, the, the adding talent and all that other stuff in the Schuylkill League. Uh, his teams in 27 years made the district finals 20 times. He won 12 district titles, two state titles. Um, they got to the finals, I think, three more times, state finals and lost. Uh, just a powerhouse team. Um, eight Schuylkill League titles in 31 years, two 2,000-point scores, 14 1,000-point scores. Uh, so, I mean, the, the record, you know, lives for itself. And, and I think, you know, back then, he was one of those pioneer guys that made girls basketball as talented as it is in Schuylkill County. I mean, there's other legends and pioneers from back in the day. You have Elsie Tolan from Marion. You know, Father Mako was at Nativity. Uh, you know, Tamako won a state title back then, uh, you know, you know, Elsie Tolan from Marion. You have all those great coaches from back in the day. And I think Wren was the guy that just stuck out and made basketball as powerhouse as it is in Schuylkill County. Awesome. I'll, uh, I'll continue on with the uh, girls basketball theme. Um, this is somebody that I, I got to watch in person. And I, I, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I was always impressed uh, with her game. It was uh, Monoy City's Megan Yedsena. Oh, okay. I think you're going Kim Homa. I think you're going Kim Homa. Yeah, well, see, now uh, my fellow Miners villain, Kim Homa, she kind of would get Megan Yedsena's number when they would play head-to-head. But I can I'll, – I'll still never forget this. I used to buy a college – I was a huge college basketball fan. Probably my favorite sport at that time when I was in high school, uh, moving into college those years. And I would buy the Sporting News, College Basketball, kind of yearbook, and the Street and Smiths. I would buy both of those to kind of, you know, see schedules. And I cut out pictures and, and all that kind of stuff. And they would have a listing of the – highest ranked recruits from high school and I would also pour over that and see who from Pennsylvania was there you know was it Billy Owens in boys basketball and one year the number one rated girls recruit was from none other than Monoy City and her name was Megan Yetsena and I've never heard of another recruit another athlete in the history of Schuylkill County being the number one rated in their sport and so that had always impressed me. And if you'd ever seen her play, her game was really fun. I mean, she was kind of like the uh, white chocolate Jason Williams before there was one. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and she was on the girls' side of things. She was more entertaining to watch than any of the boys in the Schuylkill League. Um, she was just – she her handle, her uh, quickness uh, – you know, she wasn't like the, the greatest scorer. She was more of a creator. Um, a penetrator and she loved to kind of dish and she did that at college as well she accepted a full ride to Nebraska she played there from 90 to 94 she set tons of assist records there she did score also over 1,000 points during her collegiate career um, she played professionally too in, in what were precursors to the WNBA including uh, a team called the Schuylkill Sirens in the Women's American Basketball Association. I don't know if that was a precursor to the WNBA though. Yeah right right that, that's true I mean uh, she did lead them to the title game in 2001 in their inaugural season I know she tried out for um, you know like the Team USA a few times 
Um, but uh, she just had a, a game that was kind of like no other. And, and uh, I was always impressed that, that and again, not to, to sound, uh, you know, uh, prejudicial or anything like that, but to see a girl who could like play like that was just like, for me, when I was uh, just a couple of years behind her in high school, it just blew my mind. And she was, she was really fun to watch. And, and uh, Mono had some great teams back then too. And they could really get up and down the floor um, they were in, you know, leagues, uh, Schuylkill League playoffs um, most of those years and, and in the state playoffs and that kind of thing. I, I, I don't know how much you, you might remember her, Leroy, if you know any more. They won twice. They won two state titles with her. Yeah, so uh, that was also part of her. I mean, there have been other PA girls like from Allentown, Mar Michelle Marciniak from Allentown Central Catholic was the number one rated girls high school basketball player. Um, in the 90s and in one point. But uh, to see that from, from little uh, Mono H City was really Im impressive, and, and I'll never forget that. Did she overlap with Mike Rhodes? Rhodes came after her. Okay. Yeah, she would have graduated in 89-90. That was her senior year um, in high school. So I'm uh, – this one I know I, – Jason, I mentioned this one to you, and, and – uh, I didn't tell you I was going to put him on, and, but I'm going to go Chris Nabholtz uh, from Pottsville, uh, 6'6", 210. Uh, Pottsville, 85 you know, to 90, there were some, some real stud athletes there. Um, I was looking him up. Um, so he had a 5.5 war, which what is – I know that's like – so That's considered all-star quality. Um, so I think he was – one of those guys that maybe if he if he pitched ten years later he he probably would have like a seventy or eighty million dollar contract. Um, his career record, you know, thirty seven and, and, and thirty five, uh, respectable. Uh, went to Townsend, threw a no hitter there, um, but I didn't realize how good he was at basketball. Uh, third all time at Pottsville Area High School, uh, fourteen hundred ninety six points. Uh, I need to bring this up to to Jason nineteen eighty three. 83 game against Minersville, 26 points. Uh, Potsdam Tide put up 94 points against the uh, Batman Miners, 94-56 win. Um, so I'm going Chris Nabholtz. Um, I tried to find uh, uh, just on newspapers.com, and Leroy, you probably you know more about this than I do. How dominant was he in high school? I mean, because he seemed like a Randy Johnson type. I mean, he, I remember watching him on ESPN. If you, uh, if you looked in the paper this past week, um, Pottsville won the 85 District 11 title with him pitching. Now, I remember back in the day, there were no pitch counts. There were no limitations to anybody throwing. And Nabholtz threw every game in the District 11 playoffs that year. Are you serious? All three, every inning. Uh, and they won. <laughs> they beat Northern Lehigh in the finals. I think it was 2-1. It was a tight game. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. It was 7-1, but it was a tight game until Pottsville – erupted late in the game uh just back to basketball for a second um that 84 team i think we profiled earlier in our march uh memory lane feature those teams from pottsville in the 80s were some of the best teams they ever mm -hmm. had those two years they dominated district 11 in the schuylkill league and then they got upset in the first round of states both times with teams that probably could have gone very deep in the state playoffs uh, Middletown was one, and I think York, uh, DeLone Catholic or York Catholic or uh, Eastern York, it was a York school that got them the first time. 
unfortunately, you know, uh, you know, Mickey Conrack was on those teams. They had Tony Bacon. They had some great guys on that team back in the day um, that Pottsville basketball, those teams would rate right up against some of Pottsville's best teams in the past couple of years. Uh, baseball, I'm sorry. Baseball, they didn't have a Schuylkill League playoffs after 1985. 1985 was the last one that before they re, you know, brought it back about 10 years ago. Pottsville got upset by Blue Mountain in the semifinals, and they lost. Um, Schuylkill Haven won the Schuylkill League title that year, uh, 1985, and then they stopped having the playoffs. Um, they got rained out in 86 to a point, and they just decided, hey, we can't get them in anymore. And from 87 all the way up until about 10 years ago, uh, you know, there were no Schuylkill League overall champions. So hmm. you never really know how good some of those teams that were just division champs back then could have been in the, on, the league, on the league schedule now, wasn't Panther Valley a good boys team back in the 80s? Basketball. Yeah. yeah. They had some big guys, right? Yeah. Brian Rabb was one of those guys that sticks out. He was like 6'7". Uh, Panther Valley was pretty good back then. Hmm. So, Chris Snapholtz. That's my uh, second pick. You guys are throwing great, great names out here. Some of them are overlapping with mine. Uh, I'll, I'll go back to the, the coaching ranks since a couple of my names have been thrown out here already. Uh, when you think of Schuylkill County sports, one of the things you think about North Schuylkill wrestling, you can't, uh, you cannot ignore the fact that they were the most dominant team in the country for a while there in the eighties were in sports illustrated and the orchestrator of all that was Joe Cesari, their legendary coach, yep. uh, 23 years as the head coach at North Schuylkill, 357 wins. I mean, not only was he a great coach, he was a great dad because all three of his kids won state titles. So, mm-hmm. obviously, he, uh, he had, had it working up there in North Schuylkill. Uh, two state team championships, 83-89, 10 PAAA state champions, individuals, um, you know, eight District 11 team titles. Uh, and, honestly, I think he got out of the sport a little early. Yeah. Uh, you know, passed it down to uh, Rick Edwards, his longtime assistant, and then Rick, you know, kept it going and, and – mm-hmm. For a long stretch there, North Schuylkill was just the dominant team. And, um, you know, Joe Cesari, kind of the creator of all that. And what's really funny, I'm doing a story in Cesari uh, last year for the Hall of Fame. When he took that job, he, he didn't really want it. He wanted to be no. a football coach. He was a football guy. Um, and I think he told me he wrestled one time in his life and, yeah. and he didn't farewell. And that was it. But he, he was a smart enough guy to manage the program, get some guys that had some knowledge to teach technique. And, and he was overseeing the discipline and the, uh, you know, the calisthenics and all that stuff, the exercise workouts, and it all blended together into a, you know, dominant program for years. Don't forget the, the pizza too. You know? Yeah, that was just going to Honestly, and it, it, this is, you know, my dad and I, I wrestled in high school and I wrestled absolutely awfully. Um, you know, no record set by anything except maybe losses. Uh, but my dad and I, every year, North Schuylkill and Shimokin would wrestle at night. The last dual meet of the year, we would wrestle in the afternoon against whoever. We would go to Cesare's restaurant in Ashland and have food before we went to North Schuylkill or Shimokin to watch the match. Yeah, I, I've caught, uh, I've caught him, uh, refing, uh, you know, Bloomsburg University matches, um, and, and the like, you know what I mean? I mean, he's still getting around on that mat in the seventies, I was impressed uh, just to see him still staying in the sport like that. And I've gotten to know um, the, the Hughes brothers from Benton, uh, Russ and John, who, uh, 
Benton had one heck of a program, still does, but for years they were really impressive for the size of the school. And they told me a story about wrestling uh, North Schuylkill their senior year when both teams were stacked and they literally had a closed circuit because they couldn't fit enough people into the gym. They had a closed circuit broadcast of it uh, for like, like going out and people were like, it's in spill off areas at the school just to watch it, you know, cause they couldn't get into the gym. That's how big both of those programs had gotten, you know, regionally and they were both awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Joseph's always on my list too. And, and to add to uh, uh, Leroy here, also a Coltmont native. Uh, so <laughs> you know, Coltmont, you have Maria Fantoroso, Joe Cesari, uh, Jazz Dimonick, not on my list, but he's also a Coltmont guy. So uh, they definitely knew. All the Dimonicks. Yeah. Um, uh, Joe Cesari, four-time National Coach of the Year, too. Four-time PA Coach of the Year. Obviously, the, the Sports Illustrated article, if you guys uh, have never seen it, definitely something um, uh, to look up. Jason Pointer, he does still ref over 50 seasons. Uh, one other, he, he was on my podcast, one other interesting tidbit. He, believe, went to Buffalo uh, as a linebacker, Division One scholarship. Uh, his linebacking coach was no other than Buddy Ryan. Yep. Oh, that's <laughs> uh, and then I, I also think that he kind of just, in, you know, captures the whole coal region spirit because wrestling, like Leroy, I could give you a run for your money on, on my loss record in wrestling. I mean, it humbles you. Uh, but it's one of those sports that you don't necessarily need to be a talented athlete. You could just learn it just by pure determination. And I think the fact that he was able to build that program by just that and not only build it into – a state powerhouse, but I mean, literally a national powerhouse. Uh, so just as already hands down on my uh, Mount Rushmore also. So uh, sticking with the uh, kind of the Shemokin area there, um, uh, one of my guys is Richie Tarr. Uh, and and uh, Richie Tarr, I mean, I, I love watching basketball and he could play. He's probably the best individual player that I can remember coming out of the county as far as basketball goes. Uh, he was the leading scorer in the entire state of Pennsylvania as a high school senior. That was 82-83 in the entire state. Um, so, I mean, I mean, he could just, he could just play. Uh, there's just, and he was more of a point guard, um, but he could shoot too. Uh, and when he went to LaSalle, he played there from 84 to 88. When he was a senior, he was a co-captain with Tim Legler. Oh. Um, and uh, Tim Legler, of course, you can uh, spy him on ESPN, but he also had a uh, career in the NBA as a sharpshooter. And uh, he actually did not have a better three-point percentage than Richie Tarr their senior years um, on LaSalle like he, you know he was a better shooter in many regards than than Legler was he didn't have Legler's height uh, and there were two other guys on that team Lionel Simmons who would end up scoring over like 3,000 points in his collegiate career and Doug Overton both who played in the NBA so he was a co-captain on that LaSalle team and there were literally three other future NBA players on that team he set LaSalle's single season record for assists um, he was on the NIT All-Star team his junior year. So he had a really nice collegiate career, you know, at one of the Philly Big Five schools uh, after he left Shemokin. But he could really fill it up. Shemokin has had some really fun-to-watch basketball teams over the years. And he's probably at the top of the, the list in terms of, for me, 
county boys basketball players. I thought he had he had everything. He had the handle, he had the speed, the quickness, he had the shot. Uh, he could fill it up. All right, Ricky Tar. So I'm down to my last one. Um, Leroy, hopefully I'm not stealing it again. Uh, I'm going John Flannery. Uh, is, that, is that yours? He's on the list, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, so 1986 state champ. Uh, I know you guys did a nice uh, recap on it, I think, back in March. Uh, one interesting t- tidbit. Um, when, he beat, when he won on his road to the state championship, he actually beat uh, Kurt Angle. Uh, the WWF All-Star uh, in the quarterfinals. I think he was from, I forget where. Uh, I think yeah. somewhere out west. Um, but he was 30-2 and two his senior year. Um, also, uh, football, I mean, I, we know he went to Syracuse. Um, but the most impressive thing about it was his senior year in football, I believe he was only 16 years old, um, which is just insane. Um, but uh, Syracuse... Um, when he went there, he was the co-captain, five-year uh, starter, um, or, or fifth year, co-captain his fifth year. Syracuse wasn't really a great program when he got there. Um, they definitely turned things around, not only because of him, obviously a big part of it. They beat Penn State a couple times. Um, his O-line coach there said so he was the most complete lineman. Um, he was also the defensive MVP of the Big 33 game. Um, and he was a center in college. Uh, but then he got drafted uh, 44th uh, by the Oilers. And when he got to Houston, there was a guy named Bruce Matthews there at center. So he moved to uh, guard. Um, and we always like to, Jason and I like to talk about the, uh, that Oilers team. There was four Cole region guys on that team. It was him, Bo Orlando, uh, Munchak, I believe, and uh, Gary Brown from Williamsport. Um, so I actually covered the Houston Oilers when they came to uh, Philadelphia to play the Eagles when all those guys were on that team. Oh, get out. The 94 team was actually – that was a great team, that 94 team. And he actually does have a Super Bowl ring with the uh, Rams. He, w- he was on injury reserve, uh, I believe, that year, but he did uh, get a uh, ring. Um, so, yeah, I'm going John Flannery. Um, when I was doing the research, it would be fun to think, like, if Flannery was on that basketball team with Nabholtz, uh, he could have <laughs> been like a Shaq or something, you know? Um, oh, <laughs> Flannery in my great illustrious wrestling career threw me around. Somehow I ended up in that group. Uh, <laughs> I still looked at the coach and wanted why. At the end of our regular season, my first year as a wrestler, uh, we scrimmaged with Pottsville before districts. And somehow I got thrown in. I weighed 150 pounds. I got thrown in with the heavyweights. For some reason, I have no idea why. And he took about two minutes of my life and just treated me like a rag doll. Uh, threw me around for a while. So uh yeah that's my i don't think he would have survived on the basketball court uh i saw my brennan play basketball and that's what you know Mm. i uh would would put that in the same category about five minutes running up down the floor take me out of the game um so that i but flannery was an excellent athlete uh wrestling and football and uh you know he's definitely one of the guys that should be in consideration here uh my four just to throw it out there my four was shirockman uh ron wren Fantana Rosa and Joe Cesari. Those were my four. Now, I compiled a list of other people that uh, I, I, I thought that um, were consideration people to think about. Sure. So I'll just kind of throw some names out here, and, and you guys can kind of comment on, on some of them. Uh, obviously, you know, Minersville softball has got to be put somewhere in this uh, picture. 
Uh, you can go with Ken Schneck, who is the, uh, the builder of the program, a uh, longtime coach. I think he won six of the 10 uh, state titles. I'm not sure the exact number. Uh, in our memory lane series that we're running in the paper, um, we're running almost most of those 10 at some point. And uh, 93, he's still the coach. So, uh, and I actually covered that game. That's in tomorrow's paper, I believe, as far as our memory lane is concerned. Uh, you can go any route with Minersville softball. You could go Lynn Conley, uh, who's now uh, Lynn DeCasmiro. Uh, she was the first ace pitcher they had. You could go Kim Ryan. You could, or excuse me, Kim Homa. You could go Brenda Ryan. Uh, any of those three, as far as superstar players, you could throw the Rollins girls in there. Um, there's a ton of excellent, uh, you know, D. Stefan. A lot of stud, stud at uh, Minersville softball players that, uh, you know, made lasting legacy there. Um, you know, if you're, if you're looking to, towards baseball, basketball, Bob Felty from Tri-Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is our area's all-time leading scorer, 24-19 from 1990 to 1994. And uh, I think he was an even better baseball pitcher. Uh, he went to college. I think he ended up at Cleveland State is where he pitched. Uh, he was pitching in the district final as a freshman for Tri-Valley. He was their ace as a freshman, and he was their ace for three years, uh, 91, 92, 93, 94. That 94 team was really good. Them and Williams Valley squared off several times in some heated battles. That was my first year uh, covering high school baseball for the Republican. And then those were some intense games. Uh, he had a high, you know, upper 80s, low 90s fastball, you know, good off-speed pitch. Uh, never really got a chance to, to showcase his talents for pro scouts or anything like that. But uh, he, he definitely would be on the list. And I would throw Mike Rhodes on there as well. Uh, you know, sensational basketball career. Uh, won a national championship at Lebanon Valley, uh, went on to have, you know, a great coaching career at, you know, various stops. And then obviously, you know, right now is the head coach at VCU still going strong, uh, you know, with, you know, made it to the final four as an assistant uh, and, and all the, the illustrious coaching careers he had. I mean, I, I could probably rattle off about 10 more names here, but the, of the names that I mentioned, uh, any thoughts on those, on those people? Felty was really good because he was in the years that I was was in high school. And, of course, I played against Rhodesy. He did one of those uh, break-my-ankles routines where, you know, they now they wave to you while you're on the ground. He was a little kinder than that to me. But uh, he was the uh, most outstanding player the year he won the national championship at Lebanon Valley at well. I mean, he just had a heck of a run. And if he hadn't compound fractured his ankle, he'd have gotten uh, a tryout with the Knicks. You know, he, he was that you know, kind of, he was undersized, but man, he could, I, I can remember playing in a, in a, um, a tournament. This was after, and uh, for my, some of my friends were friends with Bob Sora, who was in the league at the time, or he was in the Florida state about to make it to the league. And when he saw Rhodes play, he was like, who is that? Like he recognized like how good he was just watching him play on the side. Like he was that level. So Rhodesy was good. And of course, Kimmy Homa, I mean, 3,100 points in basketball, uh, not to mention her. I can remember when she was uh, pretty young, wasn't yet in high school. She pitched in an all-star game, and it was six innings. She struck out all but two hitters, and the two hitters that hit the ball popped it up to her. So she had every put out in a perfect game, and she, I think she hit like an inside-the-park home run. So, I mean, some of her uh, accomplishments were pretty, pretty special. Uh, I mean uh, – you know, she, she was pretty outstanding. The one who I didn't get to ne- mention that my fourth uh, is Jason Killian because um, I saw him on my list. Yeah. I mean, uh, track and field, 
basketball, football. I mean, I think everybody knows the football. Uh, I, I, my, the most impressive thing from his football season, especially his senior year, was he scored a touchdown, rushing, receiving, punt return, kick return, defensive return. Um, and I'm not sure if he threw one or not. I can't remember if he actually threw one that season or not. Um, but, uh, you know, having played basketball against him, uh, he was just physically dominant. You know, I mean, it, he had the frame, the speed, he had all the measurables. You know, I remember he saw the floor as a freshman. And, Lee, where you probably remember that Haven team when he was a freshman was awesome with Becker. And um, I'm trying to remember who their point guard was. They lost in the Eastern final to Trinity um, at March. Two seconds left. Yeah, they, that team, you don't have to bring that up. That team was so good. I mean, they were so much fun to watch. And, and Killian actually saw the floor a little as a freshman. That's how talented he was. On That was Rod Becker, Jimmy D'Arcangelo, uh, Jeff Bromwell, uh, Steve Spolsky, and uh, Doug Boyer were Spolsky. those five guys. I loved watching Spolsky. He was the only junior on that team. Yeah. The rest of them were all seniors. Uh, yeah, that, that was the team. Uh, year after I graduated and uh, being part of the uh, fan contingent for all those games, it was a great ride. and. Uh, that was probably, you know, before they got there in 97, Haven's best basketball team ever. And they came within a couple seconds of actually, they were yeah. leading. And a kid missed a shot for Trinity, you know, potential game winner. And some lanky forward slipped in there, grabbed the rebound and scored right before the buzzer. Yeah, that tr Trinity had a good point, point guard. His name was Kevin Bakel, so he could play. Um, but, uh, you know, um, but, but the other thing about killing was he had a legit shot at the gold in the 200. Finished fifth in the 100 his senior year, but finished third in the 200. But he had a legit shot at winning gold. Uh, I mean, you know, we, you know, we know he went to Penn State. They wanted to turn him into a, a, a linebacker, maybe play wide receiver, you know. Uh, I mean, you have to be pretty big time, especially back in those years, to be getting those kinds of looks. I mean, he just had yeah, – That's LeVar, like LeVar Arrington kind of era. Yeah, he just had the measurables. I mean, he was just a specimen when it came to – having the speed, the jumping ability, the, the, the frame, you know, the, the strength, all of those kinds of things. And who was his uh, QB at East Stroudsburg? Yeah, James, James, James Franklin. Franklin. Yeah, James, James Franklin. Franklin. Yeah, I, I just found that out last year. I was, uh, I was really impressed with that. Yeah, and what, 46 or 48 touchdowns his senior year? 48, um, yeah. Which he, he had all of East Stroudsburg's receiving records, I believe, at some point mm -hmm. uh, his senior year. And then I went – I think it was his final game as a college wide receiver, was at Bloomsburg. And I, I went and did a story on him at that point because um, there, there was talk he was going to get a tryout with the Chiefs. And uh, was the, uh, there was another football league. In, was, I don't think the USFL was still going strong then, but there was another league that he had a chance to go. Yeah, it possibly that was going to you know, give him a look, but he, he never got it. I could still remember, too, we went to Southern Columbia. My bas the Minersville basketball team did scrimmage Southern Columbia. And while we were in the locker room getting ready, the football team came in as they were practicing for their playoff game versus Haven that week. And Southern Columbia was the strongest team in the East even then. They weren't winning the state. They would lose in the final most of those years, but they were still dominating the East. And they said to us, you guys know Haven. What, you know, what can you tell us about Killian? And I said to them, the, a couple of guys, I said, well, I know he's not too crazy about getting hit. You know what I mean? He, he didn't like the contact that much, you know. And uh, they said, oh, we'll hit him, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, I can still remember the opening kickoff. He took it they didn't back. Touch him. Yeah, you have to catch him in order to hit him was the one thing I didn't tell them. And uh, the game was that kind of just set the tone for the game. And, you know, they, 
they, they, they walked away with that one and won the state. So I can still remember that well. And Leroy, to add to, to your Mike Rhodes, because uh, he, was, he was on my list too, um, I believe his like, free throw percentage in college was something insane. It was like 93 or 94%. Um, but I don't – he's a little bit before my time, but I, but, I mean, that Monoy gym used to be packed, right, to watch him play? Monoy's basketball history is, is a great story, um, you know, from start to finish. And, and, and it, it is a shame that they've never won – a boys state championship because that would be the final chapter to what would be a, a great story. I mean, you know, they had some awesome players that came through there and, and they were the only, and they, they kind of still are the only small school team in the Schuylkill league that stood up to all the division one teams in the league playoffs and said, you're not beating us. Mm-hmm. And they've done it. I think three times, three or four times in, in the modern era of the, the four divisions, three divisions with a wild card, uh, semifinals at Martal plays packed, and you know, and then the girls boys doubleheader. Monoy's won the league title a couple of times, beating Pottsville or or Blue Mountain or Tamaqua in the finals. So I mean, there, you know, Rhodes was they lost to Scotland in his final uh, year in a game that uh, they kind of got hosed a little bit near the end, um, and and that was a team I thought was going to get there. I think it was '91, might have been his senior year, uh, and I remember I didn't go to that game. I listened to it uh, on the radio, and then it was – you just felt, you know, a little tough for Mickey and, and his kids because they, they, um, they had a real legitimate shot that year to win it. Um, so we, we talk about Schuylkill County sports, and, and where does Ali fit in this? I mean, we're, we're talking a lot about high school sports, mm. but if you talk about uh, sports in general and, and Schuylkill County, where does Muhammad Ali fall? I mean, he, he brought a lot of attention to this county in the years when he was in Deer Lake. I used to live on – Sculpts Hill right over the hill from where his camp is now. And, and obviously fighters heaven is what it's called. And it's, uh, you know, put back in order and refurbished and it's a good tourist spot and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I don't know, where does he fall in that? Are we sticking? I mean, he's, I think, high school you know, he's obviously the goat. I mean, I, I think obviously that's a little bit before my time, but I, when I try to tell people, I'm like, could you imagine if LeBron James or Michael Jordan gave you that access that, that he did? I mean, I think it's Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, and, and, and Muhammad Ali that are, in my eyes, the three athletes who have kind of surpassed. They're almost surreal. You know, they're, they're bigger than life. So to have him in, you know, Schuylkill County, Deer Lake, and to be so accessible is just kind of mind-boggling on such a – I mean, he was – he's worldwide, you know what I mean? So yeah. to have his – I got to meet him when I was a kid. It's still, I, I, still, I still remember everything about that day. And we just kind of showed up. And he would take people that just showed up and come on in, you know, have, you know, invite them into his house. Yeah. It's, it's not. Yeah. I was at uh, boss cobs with my, my family. I was young and he pulled up uh, his, his lady friend went into shop and he just sat in his, uh, his like Corvette convertible right outside. My dad was like, come on, let's go. We went out and he said hi. And he held a a nice conversation, a brief one with my dad signed an autograph. And uh, I mean, he was, yeah, I mean, it just, that, you know, it's almost like you say surreal. It's hard to, for somebody that big to have been here, it's not comparable. You know what I mean? He's just too big. Now, let me ask you, like, when you saw him, I mean, obviously a crowd surrounded him, but didn't, like, mob him, right? Because he was just so accessible that it, that it didn't almost, you know what I mean? It, it countered people going nuts over him because he was so normal to see after a while. Does that make sense? When I met him, it was at his – at the uh, camp 
So uh, there were people in the gym. There was a sparring going on. Uh, Ernie Shavers was there the day I was there, uh, getting his head punched back a couple of times. Um, and, you know, it was just a normal, like we were part of the family type deal. I mean, we were maybe six, seven years old. I don't really remember how old it was. But uh, it, it, it was so laid back, like no security, no – uh, you know, checking your ID at the door kind of deal. It was just, hey, come on in, you know, be a part of our day today. And then when we're all done, you can go home. Yeah, and his longtime uh, manager back then, Gene Kilroy, was a Monoy guy. So that's kind of the reason he got to, got to Deer Lake. But, yeah, I like I said, that's one thing I wish I, w- I would have been around for. And I, I wonder if people at that time almost took that for granted, like looking back on it, like – you know what I mean? I, maybe in the moment, sometimes you don't, you don't think it's like a huge deal that you have such a, a huge star, like literally in your backyard. But yeah, I mean, Muhammad Ali, I think, I mean, he's greatest of all time. You know, he's, he's obviously top, top three of all time, just in, in athletes in general. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that the coal region school County specifically was, uh, yeah, was Kentucky, a big part of it. Kentucky would get mad at us because his birthplace is Louisville, right? They would claim him. They, yeah. We'd get in a fight with He's them. our adopted son. He's our yeah, adopted. Right, adopted. I also had um, – I was going to go Jazz Dimonick, uh, just because he was just such a architect. You know, Jason and I did the George Curry documentary, and, um, like, if you hear Coach Curry when he talk about Jazz, Jazz was kind of – almost like the godfather like he kind of implemented a lot of these new schemes and stuff like that and he was just kind of a cool guy and and i mean he really respected you know him and you know obviously whitey williams and and you know coach curry coach flynn all those guys they they battled but uh they really looked up to jazz dominic and obviously in mount carmel i mean he's, he's god um probably. yeah the oldest son too probably deserves mention you know uh to me i mean uh, heard from from my dad he was probably the best of, of all the boys he's the best that he saw come out of Mount Carmel I mean to get a, f- a full ride to those Arab Parsegan Notre Dame teams that was no small feat the, those teams were loaded they could have picked anybody they wanted from across the whole darn country that's the kind of you know a pull that, that Notre Dame had especially in those days and you know he was uh, he, he played he was no small part of their teams as a halfback too when he played so he was the real deal as well. Anything else? I mean, it's a, it's a tribute to the, the athletes in our area and the, the coaches in our area that we have such a rich sports history. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, teams winning state titles, athletes becoming professional athletes, having long careers in, in you know, the NFL and in sports, you know, Major League Baseball. And it's just an interesting thing to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it was hard, but that's that was also, like you said, it was a good thing because it's not like we were struggling to come up with four. Uh, it was come up with four out of, you know, five or ten names that are, you know, obviously jumped out. One last thing, Jason, who was um, – your dad mentioned he, he's a priest. He was first-team All-State in every sport. Yeah, you know what? He's brought that person up to me, but I can't remember their name. Uh, he did mention to me – this isn't the same guy, but there was a linebacker uh, – Ed Wiss, uh, you'll probably know him, Lee Wiss. Yeah, from I went to Miami of Florida, played for the Dolphins. He's from Pottsville. Yeah, yeah. He was, my dad had mentioned him as being pretty darn good as well. You know, he, he had remembered him playing well. 
I think he played in the NFL for like a, one year or so, with the, maybe with the Redskins. I, I, I don't know why I think that. He did play in the NFL because I looked him up. He didn't have a long career, but I think he might even have a ring, you know. Uh, he might have made it with one of those uh, Dolphins teams or something like that, you know. But, yeah, I, I don't rem- – I'd have to double-check that. That isn't interesting. I mean, the days – there was a kid not too far, Loyal Sock, uh, who um, got All-State in football, basketball, and, and baseball a number of years ago. And it's hard to imagine anybody pulling off that trifecta anymore. So that would yeah, be – Especially with the specialization and everything now. Yeah. Yeah. Well – I think we have uh, – threw some good names out there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get all our list and, and compile them, and then I'll, uh, maybe I'll run a poll or something on Facebook, and I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of uh, opinions. Uh, the ones that we – only on the ones that we missed, not the ones that we got right, of course. It's the best part. All right, guys. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. That'll be thank you. Touch. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.